This week on The Education of Josh, Phil and Josh talk about one of Phil's favourite films of all times, Empire Records. And welcome to the very, very, very first episode of The Education of Josh. Uh, I'm Phil Hopton, uh, your host on this podcast, and with me um, is my colleague, friend, and uh, podcasting buddy, Josh Morris. How are you doing, Josh? I'm Josh. Hi. <laughs> so, Josh, look, this is our first episode. This is effectively our pilot episode. Um, uh, so, look, let's tell the lovely listeners the format. What's the format of this, and where did it come from, Josh? Well, it came from the idea of, because I am at the young age of 24. I'm a baby in the podcasting world. Baby. You're a baby and in most worlds, to be fair. I am. And uh, for the podcast I do that you've appeared on, The Smoking Lamb, we had a section called Educating Josh, where every week I'd be given homework of a older film that I've not seen, and then basically I'd just say if it holds up or not. And you liked that idea, and you wanted it to be its own podcast. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought there are many, many films out there that I've seen that you haven't, um, including some of the films most dearest to my heart. So I thought it'd be really fun that we, we kind of spin that out. So basically, this is a spin-off podcast of The Smoking Lamb. Which in itself was a spin-off podcast of film exploitation, which in itself was a spin-off of something else. I'm sure. It's like Inception, um, but with really uh, average podcasts. <laughs> of course, um, uh, Ross, uh, Josh is Ross. No, Ross is the guy who did the other podcast. With. See, I knew within a minute this would all go tits up. Uh, Josh's other podcast, The Smoking Lamb, is still um, still available and still broadcasting um, mostly weekly. Sometimes. Um, my podcast, Ross and Phil Talk Movies, uh, goes out mostly weekly sometimes. Um, but together, this will be mostly fortnightly sometimes. Um, so, you know, to be determined. But uh, so, Ross, Josh. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. You can, t- you can tell how this is going to go. So, Josh, what is our first film? I kind of said it in the trail, to be fair. but um... It is Empire Records. So, what is Empire Records? So, uh, Empire Records um, tells the story of... A, well, basically, so, here we go. Empire Records is going to be turned into a music town. It's up to the wacky employees... God, I hate the IMDb. Uh, wacky employees to figure out ways to raise enough money to help their boss, Joe, keep the store from changing hands. They also deal with problems amongst themselves, loves, and a has-been-spoiled rock star named Rex Manning. So, this film came out in 1995, currently sits at... I think an incredibly low 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's actually brutal. But uh, just to read you some of the reviews, um, Rolling Stone said it was lovably sloppy, uh, which I I quite like. Um, Variety said it was a soundtrack in search of a movie, Um, which, yeah, I I get that. And Time Out said overall uh, fatally, uh, fatal but good natured at heart. Um, and TV Guide called it insubstantial, predictable, and often dull. Now, I'm pretty sure they saw a different movie to me, uh, but the film currently sits at 6.7 on IMDb and is truly a genuine cult movie. This is the kind of film that you you kind of put an Empire Records meme on Facebook or you put something on your Instagram page, and it will get more hits, more likes, and more comments than anything else you put out there, which is odd. Um, so how this is going to work, I've kind of gone through the film and I've given you an overview of what other people think. Now, before Josh does his review, I will let you know the three reasons why I think this film is good. 
Um, and actually, kind of the story behind how I found this film, this was a video store film. Uh, this, so this is one of those ones where you walk into the video store and go to the guy behind the counter, I need to watch a movie. And he says, try that one over there. So three reasons why I think it's good. The soundtrack is just so bloody memorable. Um, the cast, this is a lightning in a bottle cast, people. You've got like Rene Zellweger, Liv Tyler. Uh, you've got... Um, God, I've forgotten her name now. Uh, you've got Debbie Mazer, you've got uh, Auntie LaPaglia, you've got um, Robin Tunney, all in their very, you know, quite early films. Um, did I say Liv Tyler? Did I you say did. Liv Tyler, Josh? Oh, good. I think you did. But I hope she's so. there anyway. And, do you know, the film also connected with me. I wanted to be like one of the lead characters. I wanted to be like AJ. Uh, also, I wanted to be like AJ, because at that time, I also wanted to sleep with Liv Tyler. So I thought we had a lot in common at that point. So those are the reasons why I love this film. Um, and it is a it is a personal favourite of mine. So, and this is a bit I'm kind of dreading. Uh, Josh, what did you think of it? It's okay. Like, <laughs> so how, how we're doing it is I'm sort of looking at it as, does it hold up? Do I think it holds up today? I'm sort of fighting for the millennials. And this will obviously probably hate, uh, make Phil hate young people even more than he does um but hold on I, I just, hold on i don't hate young people i just you, hate young people's bad film tastes young yeah. people made transformers popular but um the film's fine but i just don't think it does anything special or remarkable i i do love the soundtrack i'll give you that um it has the most underrated like sort of underdog hero of all time in rex manning <laughs> who I felt so sorry for. He did nothing wrong and got shot on the whole film. You know, and... you know that Rex Manning Day is a thing. So is every year, yeah, every year on the, I think it's like uh, April. Every year in April, like Rex Manning is a Rex Manning Day is a thing, and Twitter explodes with Rex Manning Day tweets. Brilliant, um, and the cast is good, but it kind of I don't think then goes nowhere. I think it tries to be more insightful than it needs to be but when they do it sort of really hit, uh, misses the mark the characters are far more caricature so when they have really like complex thoughts it just doesn't match you know to what they were doing in a previous scene so it's just kind of all over the place um I'd, so i don't think it knows what it wants to be i don't know if it wants to be a really deep coming of age film with a comedic spin or if it just wants to be a pure comedy but then the you know, what they do with the characters just doesn't really make sense. So I just think it's a bit of a mismatch and a bit all over the place. It's not the worst film in the world by any means, but <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's just there. It's just not, I probably won't watch it again. Didn't really blow me away. But will you buy the soundtrack? I buy. As a millennial, I will buy something on, phys <laughs> on physical media. I'll buy a CD. Hey, but I have it on vinyl. And uh, CD. Oh so old, so old. I'm going to... And on I will, iTunes. I will go on YouTube and probably listen to the soundtrack. Oh, you won't even go on Spotify. You won't even give it the... <laughs> you won't even give it the, the 1p per million plays that that soundtrack deserves. Nope, it's, it's a YouTube job. So, but look, look, look. The cast. I mean... This how... is where Phil will try and tell me that I'm wrong. How adorable are the cast? I mean, did you not fall in love with Liv Tyler in this film? No, because she's just like the annoying, like, 
In fairness, I felt more sorry. This is going to be a very short podcast series if you call Liv Tyler annoying in Empire Records. <laughs> this this podcast is basically going to not go past the pilot. I'm just I felt more you. sorry for Renee Zellweger the fact that um, it and in fairness, it's the motif now, but where you know she enjoys sex and gets um, called a slut, where Liv Taylor Liv Tyler is just the impeccable virgin who want who it's a gift. You know, it's. You open it and it shines gold, and she wants to present it to the right, to the right person. Like, nah. And then even like you know, you said AJ. AJ was fine, but not much character development. Oh, he loves Liv. That's it. Um, I thought one of the best characters was Joe. Joe was uh, awesome. Joe was really yeah, good. Joe's Joe played by um, Anthony LaPaglia. Yeah, he was a great character in that dealing the father figure. He's basically dealing with one shit, gonna go into another. Um, but then you just had caricatures like um, Lucas and the stoner guy who I forget his name. Mark was he the stoner? Uh, Mark, yeah, Mark's the stoner. Ethan Embry. And then hate the character of Warren, like ridiculous. <laughs> like just makes. Oh, was... So Warren, Warren in the film is a character that steals from the shop and then ends up getting a job at the end because yeah. they feel sorry for him. But he doesn't only steal it, he then comes in later with a gun and holds it hostage and gets a job. So it's those sort of things where I'm just like, I it's just look. caricature So then when they try and have uh, you know, emotional depth, like from uh, Deborah, who's clearly going through stuff and I don't think they touch on that enough, it doesn't really go anywhere. I do agree it is a little bit messy. I mean, that... That I genuinely can't disagree with that. I mean, this film starts off about being um, about um, Lucas who steals money to go gambling to save the shop because if he can get enough money, they can buy the shop and it won't get turned into a music town. Um, that's kind of the, 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 the plot, but it's not really the plot. Um, I mean, this is like, for me, this is a coming age film kind of like, um, this is like the Breakfast Club for the 90s. You know, is that kind of... It does have that cool vibe where I can imagine a teenager watching it in the 90s will go, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing going. Like you said, with the uh, uh, wanting to work there, wanting to be those characters, I I can definitely get the cool vibe it's going for. Yeah, and, you know, I think what shocks me about Empire Records, um, and I love this film, and this sits probably just outside of my top 10 of all-time films, um, but what I love about this film is it genuinely has it has heart it doesn't know where to put that heart but it has heart and it's just it's connected with people and that's the weirdest thing it's like i thought i was the only person that ever seen this film and then you kind of talk to more and more people and there's more and more people out there that have actually seen empire records and you pop, pop something up and you pop a like happy rex manning day post up 8th of april by the way um hashtag rex manning day and um people genuinely like respond to it it's actually quite mad. And uh, what one thing that didn't work for me is the breaking of the fourth wall. I just didn't get that. I didn't get what they were trying to accomplish with that bit. It just, yeah. it, 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 was... it really <laughs> threw me out. It's kind of, here's a bit of the Breakfast Club. Here's a bit of First Bueller's Day Off. Here's a bit of, um, you know, a Nick Hornby novel. Here's a bit of kind of everything thrown into one. I agree with that. I A little, little bit. It's a bit, it's, but it's kind of like dazed and confused and, and kind of those kind of things. I, I imagine with that bit, it is like I've said, it, it tries to be cool. So breaking the fourth wall, it's like, yeah, we know we're a film. Um, we're, we're even cooler than you think we are. <laughs> so interesting factoids um, before we discuss the film any further. Um, 
So you know the um <clears throat> the musician guy um that sings with Renee Zellweger at the end. Yeah, the so Coyote Shivers. No, the the one that's like Deb's um kind of boyfriend or the long hair yes. pizza guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. At the time the movie was made, now bear in mind he must have been probably mid twenties, potentially early thirties at that point. He was married to Liv Tyler's mum. <laughs> So he was technically on set Liv Tyler's stepfather. Brilliant. Um, which, you know, is relatively funny. Um, look, let's be honest. How good was Rex Manning, though? And how good is that song, Say No More, Mono More? It was to the point where I actually thought, I shit you not, that Mex, Rex Manning, Mex Manning, Rex Manning was like a real singer. I was like, because <laughs> I, I said like, oh, this poor guy, like even because I thought the joke was he was probably, it was a real person and it was like a 80s um, singer who's now not famous. So it's like, oh, you know, some of the songs he's did is good. I'm going to look and I was like, what? He's not real? I was like very devastated. <laughs> so Rex Manning is awesome. And yeah, you're right. He does get shit on because basically he's just, you know, you know, Liv, Liv, Tyler, Liv Tyler throws himself at him. He reciprocates, but not in the way she wants. So she throws a strop and storms out. Uh, and then when uh, goes to sleep with him, he's like, yeah, well, he sleeps with her. And then everyone just starts insulting him. Yeah, I know. He, he genuinely can't win. Um, So Empire Records was released in the UK in 1996 um, and had a... a not unsubstantial US box office gross of $303,000. Not a huge hit then um, at the time. Oh, well, and there that, are two versions. That's of why the it's cult. Cult basically means, cult. yeah, this failed at the box office. Um, there's two um, There's two versions of the film available. There's a DVD uh, version called Empire Records Remix, um, which is a longer version of the film. Which, I don't know, did you watch the 90-minute or the 107-minute version? Couldn't tell you. Because actually, do you know what? There's a lot of difference between the two. The 107-minute version, I'm not a fan of. I think it, it spoils the pacing. I, I think the 90-minute version is much better. Um, and it's a bit quicker. It's a bit more, um, yeah, the pacing in it is a lot better. What what what's different? Is it just like more scenes or? Yeah, there's just lots of deleted scenes in it, um, and I, I think lots of padding. I don't I don't necessarily think it's um, as good. Fair. So, you kind of liked it though. Well, Phil, ask me the question. <laughs> Do you think it holds up today? Uh, the. Loose, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you know, like when you put congratulations on Facebook and all like the the balloons and flowers pop. That's what's happening now. I might actually even put some music behind this. It just goes, hey, fireworks! Yay! Josh likes it. This is probably one of the closer ones, taking into consideration the format of the show. But we used to do for Smoking Lab. This is one of the closest ones where it could have gone either way. It's like because the thing is, it's not an offensively bad film. I just thought it was kind of meh, but talking about it does make me smile. And does it hold up to millennials and sort of a bit of the fight the man, we're cool, we're trendy? Like, although, you know, some of my age probably 
not in my age, but someone younger watching it would be like, what the fuck is that sort of CD? What the fuck is that? <laughs> they won't know. I know. Uh, and um, hey, I've got another good bit of trivia for you. Guess who owns the web domain? www.empirerecords.co.uk. No idea. Me. <laughs> that is very cool. It's cool, isn't it? I was like, I was literally, I was, we were watching Empire Records last year on Rex Manning Day, obviously. Um, and um, I was like, I wonder if anyone owns the web domain, and no one did. So I'm like, I'm buying that. That is that is cool, mate. So the, when you go on that site, the only thing that should be there now is this podcast. Uh, did you know what? At the moment, all that happens is it directs you back to the main web page because um, I've never actually got around to doing anything with it. But um, yeah, so if uh, millennials, if you want a recommendation of a new film that is similar to Empire Records, I'm going to go for the 2016 film Everybody Wants Some, which is actually set in the 80s, so it is a coming of age film. But um, being done this time, it has that more sort of modern feel to a older period. Yeah, do you know what? That's a that's a pretty good shout actually. Um, Everybody Wants Some, I think is, a, and it's a great film. Everybody Wants Some. I love it. Yeah, it it was a, it was a good film that. Um and I um <coughs> I think yeah, do you know what? And that's a, a directed by Richard Linklater who isn't my favorite director in the world, but it's a good film. And uh yeah, no, I I get that. Um if you want kind of a, a more a kind of um a similar film from from that era, I think we've referenced it uh, a couple of times, but you definitely can't go wrong with Breakfast Club, um which is very similar themed. Um, and also probably something like um, uh, 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 hell, I can't remember the bloody name of the film. Days and Confused. Yeah, and see, with the thing with Evan Wantum, I think it kind of shows that a remake of Empire Records would actually, I think, work. Or, or you know, a sort of come-of-age film set in the 90s but done in this era, I think it would work. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think there's I think I think the thing with coming of age, coming of age films like this is they will connect with you. So I didn't see the Breakfast Club till last year, for the first time, which is a weird thing to admit. Never seen it, so I saw it last year for the first time. Josh, have you seen the Breakfast Club? I have. Good. Um, and do you know what? I liked it, but probably similar to you watching Empire Records, I was like, it's okay. It's it's good. I can see why people like it. I can see why people rate it. It just didn't connect with me in the same way. Now, that's probably because I didn't see it when it came out and it wasn't of that era. And much, I think, with you with Empire Records, you didn't see it of the time when it came out. So you had a similar... Well, but funny enough, although, you know, it, set, uh, it came out in 2016, I loved Everybody Wants Some because I sort of connected with it because I watched it at the same time I was in my last year of uni. Um, so a lot of similar themes, you know, they're on the baseball team, I was on the rugby team. So all these sort of stuff were very similar. Whereas I watched... Breakfast Club, it's around about the same time for the first time, and I didn't really get the Breakfast Club. I sort of watched it and I was like, I don't get what the big deal is about this film. So there was, I think with coming age films, you're definitely right in that. If you connect with them, they just, you know, they they just go so higher in your estimations. Absolutely, and you know, um, you know, I mean, they are great films, but Stand by Me and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I watched them at a point where I was of similar age. To the characters, well, to the characters, not the actors, because I'm pretty sure um, Matthew Boderick was still about 28 when he shot that. But, um, you know, and so those films always stood with me and stuck with me. It just happens to be that they're great films as well. But, you know, 
Um, okay, cool. So that was Empire Records. That wasn't a bad one to start, Josh. Yeah, um, hopefully, you know, this uh, train of films keep coming and you don't give me shite. That makes me depressed, makes me not <laughs> like it, and then makes you sad because I don't like a film you like. Absolutely. So look, this is, um, this is season one of uh, uh, The Education of Josh. Um, and in this season, we are going to cover such films as Empire Records. Um, and then we're going to go on a journey. And that journey is going to take us all the way through to a film that I cannot wait to do the episode of. Uh, Never Too Young to Die, which will be our season closer for the education of Josh this year. Um, that will definitely be one not to miss. I mean, there will be ones not to miss, to be fair, but that one especially is uh, an interesting film. And, well, and going through the list when we was compiling of which films I hadn't seen, it's weird because there's a certain film on the latter stage which, like, I know the big reveal. I uh, I know scenes from it because I've, you know, on, like, a list they always appear and stuff. But I actually thought, I was like, I don't think I've actually ever seen this film. <laughs> and it's one where I could not tell you if I've actually ever seen the original Psycho or not. Because in my mind, I know the scene. I know everything about it. Um, but I've also seen the, um, you know, the Shot for Shot remake. And I'm like, is it because I've seen the Shot for Shot remake? So I can't comfortably say if I've seen Psycho or not. But there's some films that are so famous and you just keep seeing everything about them. That I know everything about it, but I'm like, have I actually seen this film? Joe, the funny thing is, I'm I'm not too dissimilar with Psycho. That I it was a it was a text when I was in my A level media studies and then on to my degree. So I have seen probably every scene of Psycho, but I don't think I've ever seen every scene of Psycho back to back. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's weird. And do you know what? There are there are still gaps in in my film history. So maybe. Maybe like uh, the beginning of next season, we'll turn it around and do the education of Phil, and you can give me a uh, millennial film I should have seen that um, I I um I haven't. That'd be quite good, actually. We'll do that. We'll do that for the opening of the next season. As long as it's not like Transformers something. So, uh, what's my assignment for uh, next week? So, your assignment for next week. So, we are going to go with the uh, the seven steps of or six steps of Bacon. The theory is that anyone can be linked to Kevin Bacon within six steps. Actually, this plays out pretty much for anyone in movies these days. So this is going to be uh, the way we close every show to link to our next film. So Liv Tyler was in The Incredible Hulk, um, one of Marvel's lesser films, let's be honest, with uh, the the great Stan Lee. I mean, you know, you could pick any Marvel film for that. Uh, Stan Lee was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in one of his best cameos, may I add with the legendary Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell stars alongside Sylvester Stallone in one of my favourite 80s movies, Tango and Cash. When two of L.A.'s top rival cops... You know, man. Yeah, I hear you're the second best cop in L.A. It's funny, I hear the same thing about you. ...go gunning for trouble. They drive each other crazy. Tango and Cash. Rated R. Now playing. So, what will Josh think of Tango and Cash? Join us on our next episode to find out. Bye. Chichika. Chichika. Bom, bom.